All right, we are back with episode 26 of the Clinch Perfect Podcast. I'm Ben, and as always, joined by Tom. How are you doing, my friend? All the more better for seeing your face, mate. I apologize, <laughs> I can't see mine. Um, you're blessed at the moment, but <laughs> yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm looking forward to talking about probably the best card of the year. Yeah, so far, maybe. I've, it feels like ages since we've had a pay-per-view. I don't know if that's just me, but for some reason, I feel like it's been... Maybe it's because there was that week break where there was no fights, but... um. It feels like it's been so long since I've had this this excitement building within me about a about a big pay per view card. What was the last pay per view? Was it was it gone? Um, yeah, it would have been, wouldn't it? Um, honestly, can't remember. That's how long ago it feels like. Yeah, we've been blessed with uh, some little nifty fight nights, but uh, yeah, this one's. I'm just so excited. There's, there's not a fight on here that I'm not excited for. Uh, yeah, but, I think that's that's fair enough. I was I was looking for one to criticize and be, be a dick about and be like, no, this one sucks. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Um, I mean, it says it all when I'm around. excited about a Roxanne Modafferi fight, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a rare occurrence. Um, you've been watching a Contender Series while we've been gone? I have. I, I even had the pleasure of interviewing one of them. Uh, one of the lucky winners, Jack Della Madalena. I'm, I'm fully on board the hype train. I think he's got I it I think all. you started the hype train, mate. But you were I telling did. me about how good this guy was fucking before this series was even announced. I tell you, his story is just mad, right? Just backtrack a little bit. He loses his first two fights convincingly and then has gone on a 10-fight unbeaten run now. 10-fight unbeaten run after losing his first two fights when many would have written him off completely. Uh, he trains at this little gym called Scrappy MMA um, in Perth in Australia with, in fact, funny enough, it's quite a funny story because the guy he trains with is actually from the UK originally, Ben Vickers, who used to own the same gym, MMA clinic, that the likes of Darren Stewart trains at. Um, but they got this really familiar bond, like they're basically brothers, get on like a house on fire mm-hmm. and it's the, the fact it was pretty much like david versus goliath like his little gym versus samford because um angelusa trains at at samford with ian gary and the like um yeah it was just what impressed me the most though was just the fact he was just so chill he's got this like surfer kind of persona around him like even when they called him up you know i don't know if you saw when they announced the winners no i was, was i was asleep like... long before then <laughs> so it was when they announced. so when i think i think it was laura sanko called him out and he, he literally just just like shrugged his shoulders and was just very nonchalant about the whole thing data white was just like that is impressive going off on... i would not be nonchalant if laura sanko said my name or even looked in my general vicinity um <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple other really impressive performances last week um obviously we missed last week so we didn't get to talk about them uh jelton almeida who already has a fight booked with danilo yes. marquez um, that's a really interesting matchup because obviously Marquez really good grappler, but potentially a little little chinny. I thought. I oh no, thought... sorry, I'm thinking the wrong person. Sorry, Danilo Marquez is the guy that just knocked out Wellington Terman, isn't he? Yes. I, yes I okay, thought... Sorry, I was thinking the wrong person. I thought Nasrudinov uh, was the favorite going into the fight, and he got oh yeah, he was yeah. destroyed. Um, Almeida just looked like an absolute tank. Um, yeah, he beat him everywhere really, and um, and then my my favorite pick. Of, uh, of this entire season of, of Contender Series, Albert Durayev, um, former ACB champ, just looked like Smash. an absolute monster in there. <laughs> like, Bittencourt, I know they've both had a layoff, but Bittencourt, I think, had a slightly longer layoff. He's been out for a few years. Um, I mean, you know, ring rust, maybe, whatever you want to call it. He just never even, like, stood a chance. He just instantly got demolished. Um, and, like you say, smash and i love the <laughs> love the uh the dagestani uh pronunciation of that word and anyone who pronounces the word smash that way should just be insta signed to the ufc that's my uh theory 
he was just so impressive. In fact, I, I kind of had a feeling that he was going to be your favourite writer just because of his his style. It's just so unrelenting. I wouldn't yeah. want to be in the article like, with anyone, but least of all him, because he's just so oppressive. I actually tweeted that on the night. I said that there's no amount of money you could pay me to get in an octagon with Albert Duraev. Like, he's just, <laughs> yeah, like you say, relentless is the best word for it. Um, and then, yeah, this week we had, I think, not so many impressive performances. There were quite a few decisions, but the uh, the main event of the night, obviously, AJ Dobson against um, Arkadja. Is that how you say it? Um, Dobson we'll looked absolutely amazing. Kind of similar to Almeida, actually. Just came in there, dominated him everywhere, and then uh, beat him up on the ground and slipped the choke in. Yeah, really, really impressive. I mean, to be honest, the only one that stood out to me, I kind of, I, I think the rest were just a bit too, playing it a bit too safe. Although there was that one where he got dropped and then came back to win the... I can't remember his name. The one he got dropped and then came back to win the decision. But yeah, really, really impressive. I, I'll be honest. It feels a bit like... I don't know. I feel, I'm getting a bit stale of Contender now. But I think that's because they're kind of signing everyone. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. I was going to say that. Like, it does just feel like... Was it... I can't remember her name. There was a girl who won the first fight last, last week. Oh, and yeah, uh, can, it wasn't like a particularly Canadian. impressive fight, you know, and she, I, I think there was maybe an argument that she lost the second and third rounds. Um, she got outstruck pretty badly and she gassed pretty badly after a dominant first round. Um, I, I don't understand why people like that are getting signed. And yeah, it, I, I agree. It's kind of, I don't know, losing its spark a little bit, losing its magic a bit when he's just signing everyone. Yeah, because, I mean, why would you go on tough when you could just go on Dana White's Contender Series? Yeah, like, exactly. It's just, it seems a bit redundant to me. But anyway, I mean, I can't complain. We're getting more MMA every week, so long may it continue. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, should we talk about this weekend's fights? Smith versus Span? Uh, I think it was a card that I'd say we and everyone else were sleeping on, and I wouldn't say it was one of those one you know one of those sleeper ones. That everyone is like after the fact. Oh, it was so amazing. Um, we were so wrong. There was a couple of crappy fights on there, but uh, there were also some really impressive performances. Um, one that we have to talk about, Carlson Harris against Impa, which it sucks to see Impa get knocked out because he's just such a good dude and everybody loves him. Um, and he's already been, you know, on the, the highlight reel of the century. But uh, I mean, Harris, for, for a guy who everyone was expecting to go in there and try and grapple, looked so good on the feet. I think I actually messaged you when the fight started going like Impa and then it almost split second later was oh no. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think my problem with Impa is that he's I I, I hate this analogy, but he he's, he's still a raw novice and they kind of thrown him in with straight killers, I think, because of the fact he starched everyone early in his career, right? I, I, it's just a Yeah, he started I, like I, I eight and or something, didn't he? Yeah, I think he's still learning. And I, oh, I did see this win. Someone, I think I was listening to a podcast the other day and someone was talking about how he's got an American football background and his chin hasn't been blooded. Dare I say it, I don't think he's chinny, but I don't think he's quite punch resistant, if that's the, if that's the right terminology. Because I don't think Carson Harris necessarily hits that hard. I think well, he's, he's not like, a striker, is he? He's, he's no. you know, Like I said, everyone was expecting him to go in there and try and get it to the mat. Exactly. And I was really impressed with Carson Harris because I kind of, n- not unfairly, but I thought Impa would maybe have a bit more to his stand-up. For, like, if, if it was stage standing, I kind of thought Impa would deal with him. But, well, Carson Harris completely ripped up the script and went against everything that I thought he was going to do. And, I mean, there, there wasn't any grappling, which kind of baffled me. It was all, as you say, all just stand-up. And he looked really, uh, it looked really crisp, actually. For a guy who is, who's a jiu-jitsu background, it, his striking was really, really impressive for me. 
Yeah, with the occasional swinging overhand in there, which I love as someone who abuses the <laughs> overhand on UFC 4. <laughs> I, lo- I love the odd overhand. Erin um, Blanchfield was up after that. She yes. looked really impressive. Um, I was fuming she didn't get a finish because I had a fair bit of money on her getting a finish there. And to be honest, I'm not just disappointed for losing the money, but also disappointed in, in her a little bit that she didn't get the finish. Um, but then, you know, you can only criticize so much when you absolutely demolish someone. Basically an argument for a 10-8 in every round. Um incredible performance anyone who mauls someone who's supported by jake paul is good enough for me um <laughs> I'm it, i feel a bit bad for sarah alba because she's clearly just not ufc level in any way shape or form which is necessarily and, and a bad brutal matchup just... here as well like one of the brightest prospects in mma as a whole not just in women's mma oh yeah blanchfield is a, a, i heard her described as an uber prospect and i feel like that's the perfect now she's basically yeah. the uh, she's what the pad family ian gary of the the female side of mixed martial arts is probably the best way of describing her she's still raw don't get me wrong there's still things she needs to work on but She's got it. She, the way she effortless, effortless transitions from like takedown attempts to striking and her kick, like everyone was talking about like her striking, but for me, her kicks were just on point. Like uh, uh, for someone who, let's face it, she's quite little, isn't she? She's not a very tall girl, but yeah. she completely, I mean, she barely missed. I think she, I think she set a record or was close to setting a record for like the most strikes landed in a female fight um, in the, in the division, which is, I mean, amazing considering she's just made her debut. Um, and obviously it was a long time coming. We've kind of expecting her to make the UFC debut, but for whatever reason, it, it fell apart. But yeah, it was just, it wasn't quite a coming out party because obviously she didn't get the finish. But I mean, when you wail on someone for, for so long, you kind of do have to be impressed because it was so one-sided. Yeah, she might as well have got the finish. Um, I was really impressed, like you say, by the diversity in, in what she was doing because you know, I didn't know too much about her. I'd watched a little bit of tape on her um, beforehand, but you know, not a lot. And I, I was kind of thinking of her mainly as a, a smothering a smothering grappler. And um, for her to come in, like you say, and her kicks look really good. The elbows look really good in the clinch. Um, like everything she did, was technically sound and and you know impressive in that regard even if she didn't have you know the power to get the finish or whatever so um yeah super well-rounded performance and uh, i think one of the one of the best performances of the night by far yeah definitely i, I think it's only almost not as well I, but I, what i don't want them to do is i don't want them to do a macy barber and just rush her into like ridiculous competition they kind of need to build her she's only what like eight fights into her career well i actually saw silly. someone say she's what macy barber should have been or think she is or something like that um i can't remember what the what the actual tweet i saw was but um so that comparison's already being made so like you say hopefully they don't they don't fuck up her development like they did to macy um <laughs> the the meme fight of the night 100 percent, and uh probably the, yeah. one of the dumbest fights i've ever watched was montel jackson and jb buys uh jp buys um you know every buys fight is throw the kitchen sink of the first round and see what happens, which, you know, I appreciate from the guy, like that's, that's entertaining for a fan, um, but it's not always effective. And uh, Jackson just picked him apart in the second and third rounds. Yeah. Montel Jackson is one of those weird fighters, isn't he? Who looked great for say half a round and then never quite get out, gets, gets out of second gear. For well, me, it's decision making, kind of isn't it? Like yeah. he had a couple knockdowns where it, the finish was there for the taking. And then he just kind of like stared at buys, like I'm not really or sure what I'm supposed to do, or like he yeah he shot or he jumped in and uh, just engaged with the grappling when he was on the floor. Like it, some of the decisions he made made no sense after hurting him or after rocking him. Um, yeah, but it was a it was a pretty hilarious shambles of a fight, I'd say. I mean, fair play to JP Buys for getting back up because I mean he got dropped what four times, I think. Yeah, he was basically getting dropped with every jab towards the end of the fight. Yeah, I, I mean, fair enough. Guys got heart, but. 
I'm, I, I mean, this was his, uh, it was a change in weight class, wasn't it? He'd moved to bantamweight from flyweight, I think. Yeah, yeah, he moved up. Um, didn't really pay off for him. And I just thought, I, I just thought his whole strategy was weird because, I mean, they didn't really have any advantages anyway. And he, he just kind mm-hmm. of either shot lazily for a takedown or was just getting pieced apart, like picked apart on the feet. So I kind of didn't really understand what he was trying to do. But yeah, Jackson is one of those frustrating prospects who kind of clearly has loads of skills, but just kind of doesn't ever... Needs to put it all together. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He needs like the final the final piece in the, piece in the jigsaw puzzle, which he just doesn't have. Yeah. Um, who was next? Zhu Rong oh, won impressively. Um, he looked really good. Uh, there's no way he's... What is it? They're saying he's 21. I don't believe that. He's like 30. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not buying that at all. Um, Raquel Beddington got a win. Uh Tafan and Chukwi looked pretty good. Even though we just backtrack, I literally fell asleep at that like, Pennington Kianza fight. I think I've fallen asleep at every single one of Pennington's fights for like the past how many to that? Like five. <laughs> That's disrespectful, mate. She's an OG of the of the game. <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean it wasn't it wasn't a uh, incredible performance by any means, but I thought it was impressive that she lost the first round quite convincingly and then kind of beat Panny at what she had won the first round at. I, I worded that really crap, but um, yeah, she sort of completely turned it around in the, in the exact same way that Kianza had dominated the first round. So I was quite impressed by that. And um, she had a pretty crazy story about um, being like, I think she was hospitalized with COVID at some point. Um, so to bounce back from that and get her first win after after being off for a while, um, it was a nice story. Um, I'm getting a message coming up saying my internet connection's unstable. Can you still hear me? I can still hear you. You're fine. You are a All little right, bit cool. laggy. Well, uh, um, we'll just ignore that then and pretend it's <laughs> pretend that didn't say anything. Um, I think it's because I'm trying to download the new, <laughs> the new FIFA at the moment. Um, Tafan and Chukwe, like we just mentioned, look really good. Um, but you're 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 a fan. I'm still not convinced. You, I think I think I'm only I'm only a fan because I just think he's got that like death touch, but just never uses it. Like he kind of he, he wings everything. He 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 doesn't throw without bad intention, but kind of. I don't really think he does have a death has, touch though, because like you say, he throws really hard, but he he hasn't knocked anyone out since. I know we got the epic knockout on Contender Series, but in the UFC, he hasn't. He's gone to a decision in all three of his fights. I feel like he doesn't really know how to punch. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's my issue. Like I think he doesn't he's know got how to use. He doesn't know how to use that power. Yeah, it's like One Punch Man without any technique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I I find myself always slightly disappointed by him. Yeah, I think that's a fair analogy. I I, I think he's just a raw novice. That's the kind of thing I think. Like, they just need to keep building him, giving him the, the the. I think he's kind of at that early stage where he just needs more, like, not gimme fights, but ones where he can just kind of showcase his skills and, and develop a bit more, rather than throwing him into the deep end against like I can't remember who he fought the last time. The, the um, um, John Young Park, who uh, just grappled him to death. Yeah, exactly. I think he's still got loads of growing room. But um, then we have to get on to... My issue with uh, with Buckley is that I think... I don't think he's ever going to be a contender because I think he's just, he's just way too reckless. Yeah, he nearly, got, boy, he nearly got slapped a couple of times. Um, and I think he might fun. be a little bit chinny as well. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, I think he might be a little bit chinny. But when you can do to other people's chins what he does, <laughs> it doesn't always matter. You don't blink, do you? I mean, it was just pure and utter. Like, they were literally throwing cannons at each other. That's the only yeah. way I can describe it. It was just bomb after bomb after bomb. And Arroyo looked huge, by the way. He looked like a light heavyweight in there. It was absolutely insane, the size difference between the two of them. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad I wasn't the only one who noticed, because I thought, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Buckley's quite a small guy, uh, but he's, like, really broad. He's got massive shoulders. 
And yet, yeah, yeah, it, was like, like, it was like David versus Goliath. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, if, if if David was capable of spinning wheel kick knock, knockouts, um, then uh, then yeah, I was super hedged. Then maybe. Um, but yeah, I think. Um, I don't know if I'm the only one that noticed this. I didn't see anyone saying anything about it on social media. I'm certain Arroyo broke his arm or his hand or did something to his uh, was it his right arm. Can't remember which one now, but whatever arm was his uh, his his uh, you know um, you know main weapon basically in the first round. He, he if you watch the third round back, he didn't throw it once. I think it was his right. I, I just can't remember perfectly. Um, he literally didn't throw a single punch with it in the, in the third round. Um, was just jabbing with the with the other hand. So. I'm, you know, not taking anything away from Buckley's victory. It was very impressive, but I'm pretty sure Royo broke something in his hand or arm, and um, the broadcast just didn't notice it at all. Well, that's a good spot. I didn't pick it up either. I did kind of. I noticed that he kind of he wasn't throwing as many shots, but I probably wasn't paying much attention until the. Yeah, he was just holding it at like a, a right angle down by his side. Um, maybe a, maybe he'd taken a shot to the body and was just really scared and was trying to block that. I don't know, um, but I'm pretty sure he broke something in his in his hand or arm. Um, Nate Maness was probably my favorite performance of the night. I wasn't really expecting much from this from this fight, if I'm honest. But um, to get dropped, saved by the bell, and then come back and just smoke the guy the next round—absolutely amazing comeback! Phenomenal. What a, t- Tony Gravely was kind of billed as like the the hot prospect, like future contender kind of thing, and that's just completely ripped up the script. I was, I was so impressed because he gets dropped at the end of the, at the, end of the first round, right? Like in the and he final, was like, like that was a flash knockout. He was out for a second there. Yeah. Like he, as you say, there was jeopardy, but the, to come back and then put it on him, he must have had an absolute bollocking in his corner or something because he just kind of he threw the kitchen sink at, at Gravely and he just he just couldn't cope with it. Yeah, um, really impressive. And um, I, I, every every Manus fight is like pleasantly surprising how exciting it is. So I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm now excited to see what he gets next. Um, I'm definitely a fan now. That's for sure. Um, Tell you what would someone- be fun, Randy Costa. I don't want yeah, to match me. Yeah, that'd but... be really good. Um, I'm not sure if Costa has a matchup. I think I saw him tweet something about having a fight. I don't, I don't know if it's been announced or anything, but um, yeah, that would you know he's coming off a loss and he's probably higher thought of than Manus, I would think, considering he was just in there with Yanis. So um, yeah, that could actually be perfect matchmaking, mate. There we go. Who needs Sean Shelby? Eh? Who needs <laughs> um, yeah, and here now we get to talk about what what we're really excited for. Armand yes. Sarukian. This this was the main draw of the card, I think, despite not being the main event or the co-main event, um, and uh, didn't disappoint. I think I have the perfect analogy for Armand Sarukian. I feel like Armand Sarukian is Islam Makhachev 2.0, but he can put everything together even better, and he's much younger. He's what 24, and he's already looking like an absolute animal. Like I know they've already fought, but it, it put that into context. Sorokin fought him when he was basically a boy, and now he's developing into a man. It's just mental. Like the, <laughs> I like that. Trend. I like that. Sh- shame well, on Islam Akhachev, bullying little boys. <laughs> no, no, because I mean, it, it, obviously, it wasn't completely one sided. It was a great grappling fest. But yeah, like, there were some mad scrambles in that fight. Considering uh, Sorokin didn't really know how to punch in that fight, it's kind of mad that he's. He, I mean, he showed off his striking against the. Like, Crystal is not a. He's not a bum. He's not a joke. Like he, he, he has hands. I think he won four of his last five or something. Um, and, and he did look kind of good for a bit. And then Sorokin just kind of completely took over and dismantled him. And I, I was just really impressed with his hands, man. Like that ground and pound. I was watching, I actually watched a clip back of it before we recorded this podcast. And it's not necessarily the, the shots that he's throwing. 
it's the volume. Like the gas tank on Sarukin is just yeah, insane. It's crazy. To be throwing that amount of shots and just wailing on this guy. Like he's going to be a problem. I wouldn't, I really, I'm not going to tip him to be a champion or anything, but I really wouldn't be surprised if he's up there and like when he peaks because he's still so young. I just can't get it into my head. He's just 24. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I say, he looked really good. And um, well, I was about to say he had the perfect call out afterwards. He called out Dan Hooker. But um, Dan Hooker has since said, obviously, because there's the problems. Well, there was a problem with Dan Hooker's visa for this weekend. And then there's also been problems with um, Nazrat Hakparast's visa, although I think he's hoping to make it. Um, Dan Hooker tweeted like, OK, Saruki, let's see if you're, uh, I think he said, if your balls are as big as your mouth, which I thought was a, <laughs> a good, a good uh, little dig. And then um, I don't know whether it's um, Sarukin's, you know team manager, coach, whatever, come out and tweeted that uh, Sarukin actually fractured his ribs in the fight. And so, you know, it's it. I think it's it's fair for people to criticize that, you know, he did that call out. He said, I'll fight him, you know, next week if you want me to. And then as soon as the chance actually comes up, oh, he's injured. But um, yeah, I think you can't really, you know, call him a call him a liar. So we'll uh, we'll just have to wait and see on that one. And hopefully that fight happens down the line once he's healed up. Um, what, what do you think his ceiling is? His ceiling? Well, I don't know. Lightweight is just such a stacked division. It's so hard to predict, like, as good as I think he is, he could just get smoked by somebody that, that you know you might not think is as good because that that top ten is just so crazy. Um, I'd put him, I'd put him as a potential champion. I wouldn't, I wouldn't guarantee. I wouldn't say he's definitely a future champion um, because, like I said, the, the top of the division is so crazy. But um, yeah, he's definitely to be there or thereabouts. I think it's his age, right? I mean, it sounds so it sounds like an obvious answer, but I think because he's twenty four, he if he peaks around twenty nine, twenty eight. Oliveira is not going to be there. Pore is not going to be there. Um, Dariush isn't going to be there. Ferguson definitely won't be there. Like, there's going to be a massive gap, and he'll have gained all that experience. I kind of hope they don't. It'd be, it'd be quite ironic, wouldn't it? Really, if he fought Makachev for the title in, like, say, five years' time down the line, or like uh, that'd be such a cool. Narrative. I think that's like, that's the, the likely storyline, isn't it? Is that Makachev gets the belt? And then their rematch happens once he's once he's got the belt. Um, you know, when when in their future that will be, I don't know. But um, yeah, he's definitely got potential to be up there challenging. Uh, like you say, crazy well rounded, and the striking's getting so much better with every fight. Now we're on to your favorite fighter, um, <laughs> Ariana Lipsky. <laughs> Ariana Lipsky, the Queen of Violence. Um, a little disappointed she didn't get the finish here. Not didn't live up to a Queen of Violence nickname. Um, although she did, uh, you know bust open the face of Mandy Bone pretty bad and uh, and basically beat her the fuck up for all three rounds. Um, don't want to be too disrespectful, but I simply don't think Bohm is UFC caliber. I don't know about you. No, I agree. Do you know, I felt like an absolute idiot as well because I was massively high on Bohm. I mean, looked at like a couple of regional fights. I was like, yeah. okay, she's got... Didn't think she was going to win, but I thought she'd give her a better account of herself. Um, but I think the move to ATT for Lipsky has paid off immensely. And it's not just because of the fact that I don't really rate her previous corner team as highly as maybe some people did. I think it's like training with, again, it seems so obvious, but training with these these champions like Amanda Nunes, training with Dustin Poirier, being yeah. in the same gym as like Jorge Masvidal, that kind of championship mentality. I'm not saying she's going to be a champion, just putting that out there because that division is just so top heavy. Um, by that, I mean Valentina Shevchenko, I just can't <laughs> hold yeah. over it. But- and no one else. <laughs> It, it, I do think she's kind of she's got the room to improve and grow and I still think she's very much in that growing phase like when she got to UFC obviously she dropped a couple of fights I think it was like maybe her first or second loss um, losing to Anthony Shevchenko completely threw everything out the window because 
I kind of thought that was her coming out party incarnate, but didn't happen for obvious reasons. And then the Montana de la Rosa fight set her back even further. So this was kind of a make or break fight for her because I feel like if she'd lost this fight, they might have cut her. So to yeah. win this fight in the way that she did and look, well, not, not elite level or world-class, but improved. I think that's probably the best term. She looked Yeah, and she looked solid. well-rounded as well. That's the exactly. important thing. Um, like you say, training ATT. Um, I think her takedown defense has been a huge issue for a long time. So um, if they can get that even up, to, if they can get her takedown de- defense even up to like average, um, she'll be fine because I would go as far as to say she's one of the best strikers in the division. Her striking's really, really good and really crisp. And she actually has power in her hands as well, which can't be said for a lot of people in that division. So um, yeah, if they could just get a takedown defense up to the point where it's not total shit, then, uh, then she's going to be really good. Um, COVID event, one of the uh, one of my favorite, most badass moments. And it came from the guy getting absolutely destroyed, Devin Clark. I don't know if you heard this between the, I think it was the second and third round after Kutalaba completely broken all his teeth out of his bottom jaw um his, his dad and his corner in there in there were saying like do you want to stop the fight and he said like i'm gonna need surgery anyway fuck it which i just think was like the one of the coldest things i've ever heard yeah, yeah it was brutal it was a gross image i don't know if you've seen like the yeah still yeah I've seen it and i don't want to see it again <laughs> no no nah. teeth are nasty man um yeah, Kutalaba completely surprised me, I'll be honest. I kind of thought, I didn't think Devin Clark was necessarily going to win, but I kind of thought that maybe he'd wrestle him and out-grapple him or something. Yeah, but... I, I agree. I saw it as a, a you know a classic striker versus wrestler. You know, One of them's going to want it on the mat and one of them's going to want it standing up. But it, it was kind of like, I know Devin Clark's not the elite of the elite, but it felt like a statement from Kutalaba. He was like, oh, you think I can't wrestle? You're going to give me give me a wrestler? I'll show you what I can do. Um, he just demolished it. I think uh, we were just saying about Lipsky moving to ATT. I think the move to Extreme Couture for Kutalaba has, again, massively helped him, not just in terms of his his striking, as you say, but also his wrestling. Like he's he's quite, a, I mean, the Bisping, I think, was saying it on the commentary about like his hips. Like he's he's quite a like big hip chap. Like he's he's got a good base. He's got strong takedown defense. We have seen it before in some of his yeah. fights, but he kind of necessarily hasn't been able to put it all together. But with someone like Eric Nixick, who is calling the fight in the corner, like it, I think he's kind of got the the Einstein to figure it all out and put it all together. And I I I have seen some ridiculous takes being like, oh maybe Kutalaba can go on a bit of a run and do a Nathan Smith and get in the title picture. I don't quite think that's the case. I think he's always going to be a fringe top ten kind of guy. But he's going to be fun. like he's fun. He's exciting, and he's still mad. Like I don't know if you saw at the end of the fight, he was still like laughing and saying like all sorts of crazy shit. So yeah, he's I'm he's absolutely it. insane, um, <laughs> both in the octagon and as a person. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's entertaining whatever way his fights go. So I'm all for it. Uh, main event: Anthony Smith, Ryan Span. Um, I called this one to you. I said I'm not Anthony Smith's biggest fan. I don't think he's you know going to get back into the title picture. But Ryan Spanish chinny and sucks. So there you go. <laughs> I just, do you know what I loved about this entire fight? I loved when Spam picked him up and took him over to his, like, his corner and the look of disgust on Smith's face, like, oh, you really did that to me? Like, you, yeah. you really want to go yeah. there? Like- <laughs> and then he just instantly reversed the position and, and dominated him from there on out. It was like, I don't know, like a master teaching the apprentice kind of thing. It, it did feel a bit like, and as Smith daddied him is probably the best way of describing it. Like, <laughs> My favorite moment was Span throwing that knee that just caught <laughs> Smith in the chest. But if it hit him in the face, like it was a full force, powerful knee. If that had hit Smith, who was sat down on his ass, 
in the face. It would have been knockout, disqualification, all in one. Like, it would have slept him and Spam would have been finito. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a frustrating fighter, isn't he? I feel like Spam's quite good, but just kind of, again, he makes stupid decisions. And I, I, I did feel like it was out of his... I think what annoyed me the most was, like, the post-fight stuff. Not the, not, not the fighting. Like, I'm all for that. I like a little bit of needle. I like a bit of spice and a bit of drama. I just felt like Smith wasted his his post-fight interview because it was all bleeped out for obvious reasons. And, I mean, he called out Alexander Rakic, I think. But yeah, and Rakic it, accepted almost immediately. Like, he could... I mean, I feel like he could have probably gone for, like, a... I mean, I know perhaps he has a backup for, like, the Glover and um, and Yam fight, but that kind of... I feel like he could have gone one higher and gone like, maybe like tried to kazump Rakic and gone for a Prohatchka or... Like yeah, because Rakic interim. could be criticised for sitting on the sidelines. And also, you know, I would say fair play to Smith for wanting to, to rematch some, uh, for a guy who just sat on top of him for 15 minutes and mauled him. Um, yeah, I still think he's going to get beat. Like you say, weird, sort of a weird decision when, you know, unless he knows something we don't know, that he's got some mad game plan that he's going to keep the fight standing and piece him up. But Rakic is also crazy powerful on the feet as well. Um, yeah, I agree. I can't really see him winning that. But um, if he does, it would be a fucking awesome comeback story. Um, yeah, um, that, not much else to say about that event, really. No, I mean, it was it was pleasantly surprising. I feel like that, I mean, you messaged me that after the event being like, I was actually, I kind of enjoyed that card. <laughs> we came into it absolutely slating it and, as per usual, the UFC know what they're doing, and the event was way more fun than we thought it was going to be. But yeah, I'm kind of, I, I'll be honest. Part of me was kind of like, I'm glad it's over. Like, I'm glad it's out of the way. We can now focus on, I don't know, the craziness that's going to be Saturday night with the AJ fight and UFC 266. Like, I just, I can't wait. But for, before we get there, we've got some news, haven't we? We've got some things we've got to talk about that's nothing to do with either of those events. Yeah, I didn't want to go straight into UFC 266. We've just broken down a bajillion fights. Um, <laughs> we got um, a rumored matchup for Sean O'Malley, finally. Brian Boom Kelleher, which, um, oh, I don't know if you listened to uh, the late last episode of Michael Bisping's podcast, but he called him Boom Boom, which I just found so funny. I don't know why. So I will That's from now amazing. on be calling Brian Kelleher Boom Boom. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's not confirmed. It's just rumors at the minute. And I think one of them or both of them have tweeted about it, you know, not being confirmed because, you know, the places reporting it like it was. So, uh, yeah, don't count on it yet. But um, I think actually not a bad matchup. I, I, you know, people love to criticize and I've criticized O'Malley for, for taking easy matchups. But, you know, Kelleher's an experienced guy who's been in there with, with some really good talent and um, is capable of causing an upset. So I think if they don't want to rush O'Malley to someone ranked, then, uh, then Kelleher's sort of like a good middle ground. Was it Hunter um, Azur who Kelleher slept? Yeah, he absolutely smoked him, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got hands, hasn't he? So I just kind of, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I feel like Amali's at that stage where he needs to keep on building his profile. But at the same time, I kind of do want him to be like, like, how good is he? Because if you look at, like, if if, I mean, the McGregor comparisons are inevitable and maybe a little bit unfair on both parts, but... If you look at McGregor's career, it was pretty much like throw him a couple of veterans and then like throw him like contenders. Like it, it, it was kind of a catastrophic and crazy fast-paced rise. And I feel like O'Malley's maybe the loss to Vera has kind of put a dent in that. I'm not too sure. Um, but I, I think the thing going for Kelleher is that he is a name. Like everyone kind of knows who Brian Kelleher is because he does media work. He's 
a bit vocal on social media, always calls people out. Yeah. So it's probably a bit more respectable than like a Chris Moutinho, for instance. No, disrespect Chris Moutinho, of course, but he's not just someone they've plucked from nowhere, so to speak. He is a legitimate, established fighter. So it's a chance for O'Malley to build his name, but it's also a chance for Kelleher to, again, put the dent in someone's tracks. To do a Cheeto, as we will now call it. Um, <laughs> that's a really fun one. Uh, a middleweight's been announced that I, that I want to talk about. Um, Brad Tavares and Brendan Allen. That's uh, planned for a December 4th fight night. Um, this feels like a, kind of a, a sneaky, important matchup in the middleweight rankings because whichever one of these guys wins is suddenly on a nice little win streak and is going to be in that sort of lower, I don't know, like 8 to 15 area of the rankings. And um yeah, I just think, you know, whoever wins this has got a lot of momentum going forward and uh, and can really, you know, make a push to get someone in that sort of... I know there's the, the you know, middleweight's weird because it has that bracket of like five or six of them at the top that are all just kind of, you know, circling around each other. Um, but, you know, anyone just outside of that, the winner of this fight can get with their next fight. And, um, yeah, so I'm really excited for that one. And uh, after the improvements in Alan's striking as well, I'm curious to see if, uh, if he keeps that standing or, or tries to get it to the feet because obviously sorry tries to get it to the mat because obviously Tavares is, is such a good striker yeah I, I think it's an interesting matchup as you say because of the, the I wouldn't say their skill sets are the same but they kind of both have the same kind of strengths right like they're both quite good at reading range and, and mixing it up and I think Tavares has looked really good like I was, I was completely surprised by his last couple of fights like he's looked levels above what he looked against Izzy um, whatever so it's, it's, it's refreshing to see that the, the veteran can still do it the old dog's still got life left in him yeah and Brendan Allen I thought uh, Puna Soriano was going to smoke him that didn't turn out to be the case but then there's the added angle of the fact that Soriano is a training partner of Tavares I think if I'm not mistaken I think they both train at Extreme Cultural so there's that nice little flavor for you yeah and alan but, i mean has the added advantage as well of, of being very very slick on the ground with submissions so uh if he if he does decide to take it there um i think uh that could be his best path to it path to victory but like you say they match up pretty well on the feet as well so um yeah definitely a fun one that yeah of course uh it's it's a middle way so an interesting division as you say because izzy is taking a i don't know what it's called it like a season break or something or what do they call it? Off season? Is that it? I think he's taking an off season. I think that's what they call it in America. Yeah, and then there's a group of like five or six of them behind him, kind of scrapping to get a rematch or an, or a next shot. Who's Muniz fighting? I can't remember. Um. Oh God, I I'm gonna have to look that up because I also can't remember. But it's a really fun fight. Um. Because I feel like the winner of this fight out. could fight the winner of that fight. I I can't for the life of me remember who he's fighting, but that to me kind of feels like the perfect. Oh, it's uh, Duplassi. So that kind of, for me, that kind of feels like the kind of perfect ballpark because, I mean, I know I hate it when they pair off prospects, but say, for instance, say for argument, Brendan Allen wins this fight, Duplessis wins this fight. That to me feels like a match made in heaven because you just don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah, two young guys love to finish fights and um, both with a crazy amount of momentum. Yeah, that'd be sick. Like I said, the middleweight is, is really fun. I think you can. Like I said, I, we were both kind of not sure, but pr- pretty strongly in favor of the opinion that Soriano was going to sleep him because Alan had looked a little chinny again when he got knocked out by Strickland. But and I kind of just saw him mainly as a grappler, but his striking looked so so good against Soriano. So and he's still young; he's only like twenty six. So um, definitely, if he keeps improving at the rate he is, you can say uh, you know Alan two point with the improved striking. I I would probably make the favorite over Tavares to be honest. Um, well, we'll talk about a uh, little development at bantamweight before we talk UFC two sixty six. Um, 
they've booked another fight between Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno, which I don't know. How do you feel about that? I have a bone to pick with that fight. You have a bone. Well, actually, to pick I feel like you have a bone to pick with that fight because I feel like your your favorite fighter Pantoja has been robbed a little here because that to me the narrative sold itself. I don't. I, I don't understand, understand why is not everyone's favorite fighter. <laughs> the guy just goes in there and throws bombs, and he has an absolute concrete chin. So uh, yeah, I do feel a little bit pissed off, but I also quite like Figueredo as well. So I'm not. I'm not raging too much. I just wonder if he can still make the weight. That's my biggest thing going into the fight because he was a massive, massive flyweight. Yeah, he like, cuts. Is it the largest percentage of, you know, proportionately of of, of any fighter on the roster to get get down to weight? Yeah, and I, I think not that Moreno handled him because he did, but uh, the the, the second fight was just so decisive. I just kind of didn't need to see the third one. But I guess because of the way the division is, they, I guess there isn't. I mean, maybe an Askarov. Like, um, why isn't Askar Askarov getting a shot? I think because he missed weight of... in his last fight, so the UFC is uh, terrified yeah, of having another Figueredo versus Benavidez situation where they get a champ miss weight. That is true. Yeah, I guess that does make sense. It's just kind of I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just picking holes in it for no reason but it just kind of it feels a bit like a wasted opportunity because I feel like Fig should have moved up and they should have brought in some new blood for the flyweights I'm not too sure and finally last bit of news before we talk UFC 266 um, we were going to talk about this last week obviously but we missed last week's episode uh, Demetrius Johnson is fighting Rod Tang in uh, a mixed rules one championship fight and I believe if I'm not mistaken the first round will be Muay Thai the second round will be MMA Third round Muay Thai, fourth round MMA. It's four rounds. Um, <laughs> DJ just has to survive that first round. <laughs> if he could not die in the first round, he should be able to wrestle fuck him to death in the second round. What is going on? Honestly. How are we in a position in 2021 where Demetrius Johnson is fighting this... I, I don't know how to describe it. M- messed up. It feels like an exhibition to me, but it's clearly not an exhibition. Like it feels like the thriller kind of, or like the, I guess like the thriller world of Asia. I'm not too sure. It's just it's such a weird matchup to me. Like Rod Tang is obviously a Muay Thai genius. DJ is one of the greatest to ever do it in the MMA world. Yes, obviously he's trained in kickboxing, but like he's just come off a viral, well not a viral knockout, but he's just come off like a KO loss. Like I don't want to see DJ get destroyed by some. More Thai boxer, which I gotta which, be honest, which... I love it. <laughs> it's 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 probably gonna be a beautiful shambles, but I love it. There's nothing about this fight that like I, I'm so interested in this fight. Do you know what I mean? Um, yes, there are holes to pick at it. Yes, it's a little weird. Um, but I will be watching this fight more intently than I watch most UFC title fights. Like I'm so excited for this, and um, I mean, no predictions obviously because who knows what the fuck's gonna happen. <laughs> Uh, well, we my, my biggest question is, do they have to have the stupid armband things? Do they have to wear uh, the armbands for the MMA part? Or do they have to take them off for like the end of every... Honestly, I have no idea. I have no idea how it's going to work. I've not looked into the rules. Who cares? <laughs> just, <laughs> just Like I say, just enjoy the shit show, mate. If it is a shit show, maybe it'll be a, a beautiful display of, of skill and talent. Maybe it'll be a shit show. Either way, I'm going to be watching. Well, I I think I will. I'll probably watch it anyway because Rog Tang is literally my favorite kickboxer. Like the guy, I just go watch his highlight reels. It's just ridiculous. I know crazy. his fight. His fight against uh, the general, my my good pal uh, Jonathan Haggerty, is was it the first fight. Is probably one of my favorite fight kickboxing fights of all time. Um, just pure and utter chaos and carnage. But yeah, it's a 
I, I, I just really fear for DJ in this one. And it, I, I know we just survived, but like surviving a kickboxing fight in an MMA cage, it just, I don't know, I feel like it's a recipe for disaster, I'll be honest. Against Rod Tang of all people. Anyway, shall we move on to the big one this Saturday? Yes. UFC 266. Um, you got any plans? What, what are you doing to, uh, to watch this one? Uh, well, I will probably be turning off my TV from the AJ fight and <laughs> getting a beer and watching this and then covering this one as well. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much my plans. An all-nighter, in other words. What about you? I'm actually going down to London to see a friend who I've not seen uh, since before COVID here, actually. Fucking hell. Um, and, and watching it with him at his. And uh, there will be many beverages and substances consumed and it will be a very fun night. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll be able to watch uh, Alex Volkanovsky saying, Brian will take his head into the next stratosphere in some sort of like Marvel-esque world, right? <laughs> <laughs> I will be wide awake, mate. Let me tell you that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Like I said, I've, I've, I've not seen my mate since, uh, since before COVID. So um, going down to London on, on Saturday morning, and uh, you know, hit a, hit a few pubs in the afternoon, and uh, be nice and warmed up for when the fights start. I think it's an 11 p.m. British time start. So uh, yeah, shall we get into it? Um, yes. I've, my my first official bet of the night is uh, on the first fight of the night. I'm uh, I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm picking Omar Morales against uh, Jonathan Pierce because I just don't think Pierce has fought anyone anywhere close to as good as Morales. And what he did in his Best win, which is against Kaikamaka, won't fly against Morales, which is take you down and, and just pummel the shit out of you on the mat. Um, Morales is huge at this weight class, and I can't see him getting taken down and dominated on the mat by Pierce. And I can't see him losing a striking battle with Pierce. His only defeat is to Giga Chikate, who we know is a is a kickboxing whiz. So um, yeah, you can uh, tell me if I if I'm terribly wrong now, but I'm uh, I'm betting on Morales in this one. No, I'm I'm siding with you, my friend. I think. From what I recall, I mean, I must admit my, my knowledge of Morales is kind of patchy, but I do kind of recall him clipping Chikadze a couple of times. I don't think it was quite as one-sided as everyone Yeah, it wasn't out. one-sided. I mean, and, and you look at what Chikadze's done since to, to Barbosa and Cub Swanson, that loss has aged pretty well. Wait, how? What, what weight class is this, is this at? Uh, it'll be 145, won't it? I swear, Jonathan, is, is Jonathan Pierce not coming off that fight against... Um... David Grant, or am I completely... Uh, he fought Kai Kamaka last, I believe. So, yeah, so we found the weight. So, he moved, so, he's moved up then from Bantam? Or am I completely spitballing here? I honestly, I honestly don't know what you're talking about. Um, mate, you might be right. I've, I've, not, <laughs> I've not looked at what... Um, Unless yeah, I'm getting confused, remember. but I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure you got slept by David Grant, right? Um, no, he got slept by Joe Lozon. Oh, I think you're thinking yes. of something else, someone else. I'm thinking someone else. Who am I thinking? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, like I say, Pierce, his, his biggest win to date was Kamaka, who um, I love Kai Kamaka. He's a super fun fighter, but he does have deficiencies on the ground. And Pierce just took advantage of that. Jonathan Martinez. Down. I do apologize. Oh, That's you're talking about Martinez. Thinking. Damn. That, that couldn't be more different, mate. Nope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah. He, uh, he took it down and just dominated him on the mat. That's not going to happen to Omar Morales. Like, he, like I say, he's huge at 145. He's an absolute monster. Tree trunks for legs. And uh, he's. I just can't see Pierce putting it on him like that. And if it stays standing, Morales is an absolute mean kickboxer. So, um, yeah, I don't really see a path to victory for, for Pierce here. Well, now, now that I know who I'm, now that I know who I'm talking about, I do apologize. <laughs> uh, yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> 
Yeah, I like that you. I liked that you agreed with me before, whether you knew or not. That's that makes it even better. Um, I can't so believe I got me. I literally can't believe, believe I got them confused. <laughs> I think it's the records. The records are kind of similar. <laughs> yeah. Um, next fight, I was just saying to you before we started recording, uh, Matthew Semmelsberger against uh, Martin Sano. Uh, really weird fight. I don't know. Sano's replacing someone injured, but his record is four, two, and one, and those four wins were his first four fights. So his last three fights were a tie and two losses. And here he is making his UFC debut on a huge pay-per-view. Really weird. He's very, very strange. I think I think he's kind of a film opponent, to be fair. I think he is kind of, I think he is short notice because I think Samoa's burger was originally booked against someone else. By the way, can we just say, Semi the Jedi, as he's otherwise known, is one of my favorite nicknames in the UFC. It's up there. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely Actually, that's the there. point. If you had to, off topic completely, I do apologize. If you had to pick, uh, well, if you were a pro fighter, what would your nickname be and why? Um, well, you asked me this before and I said it would have to be something ginger related, I think, because otherwise <laughs> people just wouldn't relate it to me. You know, I'm the big blanky ginger guy. Um, that nickname I'll, sucks, uh, by the way. We're moving on. <laughs> oh, well, t- well, t- well, tell me yours then first. No, no, no. You can't be, you can't be the big blanky ginger guy. It's got to be something better than that. <laughs> no, no. That wasn't my nickname suggestion. I was just saying that's, you know, it's got to be, re- it's got to be relevant to that. I'll go with the, I'll go with the one I suggested to you. I'll go with Soulless. Soul, I, I like that. I was thinking Grim Reaper, but that works. Yeah, Soulless is good. The, the Ginger Reaper. <laughs> Ooh, there we go. Well, I was going to go. I have two. I either have, uh, which is ter- the first one is terrible. I'm just putting it out there. Tom Thunder Ward in reference to Arturo Gatti, my dad's favorite boxer of all time. But oh, my I like the reference fa- though. That's a good reference though. My personal favorite is Tom the Southern Whaler Ward because ain't nobody <laughs> catching these windmills. I promise you. When someone gets close, they're just getting these handbags in their face. I thought you were going to say the Southern Wanker. But yeah, no, I like that Southern Wanker. Um, <laughs> that's what uh, Tyson Fury called Eddie Hearn, wasn't it? On that, that interview. It was indeed. Level. Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll gladly wear that with a badge on. <laughs> um, what's the next fight? Carl Robertson and Nick Maximov. This is a really weird one because. I'm not convinced either of these guys are UFC caliber, but at the same time, I really think it's going to be quite a fun fight. Um, Robertson has been finished a few times. Maximov looked really good on contender series, but the guy he fought sucked. So um, yeah, kind of kind of a weird one for me. Uh, Maximov is is from the Diaz camp, isn't he? Yes, he is. I think it's his debut, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. His last fight was was the contender series fight. Yeah, so it's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously Robeson's managed by McGregor's talent agency. So it's like a... There's a nice little angle for you there. A little McGregor-Diaz um, throwback in the weirdest yeah. way possible. Although both fighters suck, so it's definitely <laughs> not bad. Um, yeah, I don't really know what to make this fight because Maximov, like, on tape, looks impressive, but then he's kind of been fighting tin cans. And Robeson has come up short every time he's fought anyone with, like, a concrete game plan. So... I feel like if Maximoff can stick to a game plan, he can beat him. But I feel like Rebson may have a bit too much experience. Yeah, just in terms of, yeah, like you say, experience and um, by far being the best opponent that Maximov's ever fought. Um, if Maximov can win, I think it's really impressive after only six fights and, and coming in as a young guy, uh, if he can get this win. Um, next one is someone we're really high on, um, Manon Furo against uh, Mario Bueno Silva. And uh, and Silva's pretty good too. She's 7-1-1. and one and one. Um, She's very violent. She's, she's one of... Um, she's a lady who likes a, likes a finish and in her fights and um, as we know Furo is an absolute animal too so um, I feel like this one could be bloody I was just about to say our favourite phrase, uh, phrase 
claret everywhere. That's, <laughs> that's literally what this is. I just can't see this. Well, I, I, I kind of think Fira's going to finish her, but um, just because I think she's that good. But yeah, I, I think the scar tissue will be open and the Archgon might be a wash with lots and lots of blood. I think it's just going to be an absolute bomb burner of a fight. And it's kind of one of those fights that, again, like the first four fights aren't necessarily names because obviously it's like early prelims, but there's a ton of fun fights. Like, like Manafira is just a badass. Like, she yeah, she looks like the Terminator in there. Like, I, I know her <laughs> last opponent yeah. was was coming up at short notice from the weight class below. Um, was it uh, Tabitha Ricci? Who uh, I think they've they've rebooked her with a with a fight of her own weight class. Un- unrelated news. Um, but yeah, she like just looks like an absolute monster in there. And uh, like I say, Bueno Silva is uh, is a bit of a savage as well. But I agree with you. I think I can see Furo opening up several bits of scar tissue on Silva, and uh, and probably taking over and winning. Um, an- another you know prospect that lots of people are really high on in the next fight, Euros Medic, is fighting uh, Jalen Turner, who um, I I quite like Jalen Turner. I know he's only ten and five, and he's kind of been. I wouldn't say a disappointment, but he's not quite like, you know, really shined as a prospect in the UFC. But I think this is a really tough fight for Medic. Yeah, I, I, I think Jalen Turner is kind of, again, uh, what is he? Is he the spider? I can't remember what his name I think it's the tarantula. Oh, that's it. I knew it was some, something spider-related. Yeah, obviously <laughs> something spider. spider. There's, only, there's only one spider. Um, yeah, he, he's a bit awkward. He's, he's very lanky, isn't he? Like That's, that's yeah. the best way of describing it. And. But having said that, Medge is like an absolute savage. I feel like Turner's been finished before. So because I'm high on Medich, I am kind of leaning towards Medich to make a bit of a statement because I feel like Turner, although he's not necessarily like a massive name, he's been in the UFC for a while. He's kind of a, not necessarily a stepping stone, but if you want to make a name for yourself, you beat Turner and move on. So mm-hmm. I am leaning towards Medich in this one. What about you? I think I'm going the other way, to be honest. Um, you look at Medich's record. Yes, he's looked really good, but... It- he has kind of fought mostly absolute shit, not going to lie. Um, he's not really fought anyone. You know, you come from Alaska. There's not there's exactly loads, of, you know, it's not brimming with competition. Um, and uh, Jalen Turner also has my uh, immense respect forever for uh, for destroying and submitting Brock Weaver, who um, there's rumors of uh, of him hosting dogfights. So fuck him. Um, yeah, I, 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 I got to go with Jalen Turner. The Fiora fight's just been cancelled. I've just got a text. It's been cancelled as we're recording. Yeah. Are you taking the piss? Yeah. No. She's... It's been cancelled or moved? Uh, cancelled because Fiora is test positive, as is her team. Her entire, ah, her entire okay. team. Well, yeah. there's that one gone. Um, glad we wasted <laughs> five minutes talking about that. Uh, we'll move on to the to the what is now... Oh, no, it's not. of course it's not the only female fight on the card because there's two on the main. Okay, we'll move on to the only female fight then on the prelims now, um, which is uh, a Roxy, Modafferi, a big fan favourite. Everyone loves Roxy. But... Uh, I feel like her win-loss, win-loss, win-loss streak might come to an end here because she might lose two in a row. Yeah, I think Taylor Sanders... We've been kind of high on Taylor Sanders for a while, right? I think it was the Molly McCann fight where we were like... Okay, yeah, she just looked so good in that fight. And she's only got one loss. Like, the UFC clearly high on her. I don't mean this in a disrespectful way to Roxy, but she is a very, very good fighter, but she's kind of on the... A roller coaster of a ride, I would say. I wouldn't say she's on the downward slope, but like she can win some, she can lose some. She's going to stick around because she's a name. To, I feel like beating Roxy again is a path to the title. And I think Taylor Santos has kind of got everything in her locker to beat her. I think she's good on the ground. She's got amazing striking. Like I'm kind of, I'm really looking forward to this one as well because Roxy just 
bites on my gum shield and doesn't stop throwing. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, and then next up we got. Um, you didn't guess it. You didn't guess who my uh, my underdog bet of the, of the night was. This is my my next official bet is uh, Shamil Abdurakimov against Chris Dorcas. Um, Chris Dorcas is very good. Don't get me wrong. The odds on this fight are downright disrespectful. You can get Abdurakimov. I, let me just check actually what the uh, what the odds were because I wrote them down so that I would know. Um, I've written them down in American style for our American listeners. Um, plus one seventy five, which is is crazy it's crazy for the more experienced guys for better competition um he's 20 and 5 his two losses since 2015 are Derek lewis and curtis blades and curtis blades took him down and mauled him on the mat chris dorcas isn't going to do that chris dorcas wants it standing up um you look at who dorcas has fought on the other side olinic is probably his best win yeah he's good at the one thing that he does really well but he's extremely one-dimensional abdur isn't um who else did he beat parker porter no offense, but you know, he's not exactly the elite of the elite. So yes, Chris Dorcas is really good and people are rightfully very high on him. He's got fast hands and uh, he's a really crisp boxer, but I just don't understand him being a huge, huge favorite here against a guy like Abdurakimov. Who is trained by Magomed Magomedov, who is a ridiculously talented kickboxer. So I feel like if it does stay standing, Abdur Kingov could also have something left in his locker. Having said that, though, he hasn't fought in what two years? I think he fought in twenty nine. Last fought, yeah, was it last last time he fought was the the loss to Blades. So coming off that layoff, I mean, that gives you yes, it gives you time to recover. But Dorcas has looked so sharp since he joined the FC. I think yeah, I think the, the odds are completely disrespectful. I just kind of if Dorcas is as good as I think he is, not that I think he makes short work of Abdur Kingov, but I think. I do think he could knock him out. I think he's he's got fast hands. I think him and Aspinall are kind of very similar in terms of the way they fight. Although I think Aspinall is more is, well is better by some margin. I just kind of I, I it's a weird one as well because Aparikimov was kind of like a really avoided fighter. Like he was meant to fight Saki and then I think he fell off because of visa issues or something strange. I think he was I think he was meant to fight Alistair Overeem. I think he's had like seven cancelled bouts or something because I've seen Chris Dorcas talking a little bit of shit about it on Twitter. Um, well, so their yeah. fight was cancelled. This was cancelled, wasn't it? it was, this was cancelled twice, I think. Um, so it's, it's been a long time coming. But yeah, I like I said, I, I really I agree with you. Dorcas is really good. His boxing is insanely fast and, and it's insanely crisp. But um, yeah, you can't make Abdurakimov such a huge underdog here. If the odds were a pick I'd have trouble choosing. And um, with the odds as they are, I've I've got to put some money on Abdul Kimov. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I, I think the next fight I'm very excited about because again, another fighter we love on this podcast. If it happens, Dan Hooker. can I just put happens, in the caveat? Yeah, if yeah, it yeah. happens, <laughs> <laughs> if it happens, Dan Hooker, our boy, is back. And I don't know about you, but if this fight does happen. I think Dan Hooker smokes him. I'll be honest. I agree. I agree. I agree completely. I, I'm not really very high on Hackbrass. I don't think he's that great. Yeah, and it feels really bad to say that because obviously he's been through like a terrible time. Um, his mother just passed away and what have you. But well, way to make me look like a dick, mate. I was I was, <laughs> I was just talking about his skills in the octagon. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, no. What I mean is, it's kind of it's 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 hard, isn't it? Because you don't want to be like, oh, he's completely out of his depth. Yeah. But Hooker is maybe a step too far at this stage in his career. Yeah, I would say I, it's, I, it's not that he's completely out of his depth, everything. but he is out of his depth. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> don't I want think, to say that, but I'm going to say that. Especially with all like the turmoil and everything, like even like the pre-fight build-up, like you don't know how that's like affecting him mentally. 
Um, I just kind of think, yeah, it's a lot to ask of Hackbrass to, to fight a guy as dangerous as Dan Hooker. I was going to say the yeah. one advantage he probably had is that Hooker's had all this craziness with only traveling to Vegas like today or tomorrow, is it, um, with all the visa stuff. But Hackbrass is dealing with the same shit in Germany. He's only going to be traveling there like to, you know, to arrive on Thursday, weight cut, weigh in. Um, so that advantage is gone as well because they're both in the same kind of shitty situation. So um, I, I should say if the fight happens, they should both get a bonus. They should both get like, you know, even if it gets cancelled, they should get their fucking show money or something um, because the, the work that both of them are going through to try and make it happen is, is you know, so commendable. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I think you're completely bang on there. I think it's going to be a fun fight either way, however long it lasts. Like, I just can't, I can't not see a hooker finish. I, yeah. I think it's just... Plus, like, I've, I've been speaking to Dan a bit on, like, the DMs and everything. I haven't had a chance to interview him yet, but he seems like really like this is a different Dan Hooker. Like he seems really angry. Like it feels like he's gonna got a point to prove. Like Sarukian pissed him off. Sarukian made Dan Hooker 2.0. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think it's like the whole lockdown situation in New Zealand, like the whole craziness, like the yeah. man to quarantine. Like I think he has to quarantine when he gets back and it's like two weeks. He's talked about moving to the States. Like Dan Hooker is just in like a bad, bad place. Like he's ready to let out all this pent up aggression and I feel sorry for that press. And I'm actually having another bet as well. Um, I'm not playing hooker by himself because he's quite a big favorite. I'm going to combine him with Talia Santos, who we just talked about, and uh, and do those two as a little parlay, which I think is like plus 110 for those uh, those Americans out there. Um, so Santos and hooker, that? that's my next bet. What, what would that get you back in terms of odds in the like, UK? Um, it's just over evens. So like if you put 100 on, you'd get 210 back, 110 profit. Oh, okay, that's pretty decent. And then um, got, I mean, we got um, at right. I don't know about you, but I think um, I don't think Divis, I don't think Divis really has the. Wow, that was a good pronunciation. That was impressive. Was I was just going to go yeah. with Mayrab, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you just really, went for it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's got. Um, I don't think he's necessarily got the hands to put him away, but I kind of feel like he's going to get a finish somehow. Like that's my. Has Mayrab it, ever finished a fight? I think so. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm not in confident. the UFC. Not in the UFC. I definitely not. But he may have beforehand. Um, I'm almost, I'm almost convinced that he's got a finish before. But then Marlon has proved to be very chinny in recent fights. Um, oh yeah, so getting... he's got he's yeah, got go a ahead. KO spinning back fist in 2017. So, <laughs> maybe oh, not, so but... <laughs> pre UFC, but still a badass way to get a finish. Um, yeah. yeah, Marlon has looked pretty chinny. I'll forgive him getting smoked by uh, Rob Font because that could happen to anyone. Rob Font's an absolute beast. Uh, but yeah, he has looked a little chinny recently. And um, I don't know. I, I I struggle to make a prediction on this fight because I have no idea what Marais we're going to see. Mayrab, like you say, he has some really good tools, but he's it just kind of feels like he's lacking that extra little bit to put him into the elite bracket. Do you know what I mean? Um, I really struggle to make a prediction on this fight. I'm going to sit on the fence and just say nothing. How can you go against your Georgian brothers? What's going on? <laughs> Yeah, I do I, like I, most of the Georgian fighters in the UFC. That is true. I think, yeah, I'm going to go do this really just because I think he's on the up and I think Marais is on the down, but more than happy to be proven wrong. I, personally, I think that fight's a sleeper as well because I think Marais is criminally underrated. Yeah, I'll go with Marais just to be just to be different to you. And uh, that's, not, that's not an official prediction because I literally can't pick this fight. It's um, it's really interesting, like you say, and um, a potential sleeper there. Um, opening up the main card, we've got Jessica Andrade back. Um, I love Andrade because... 
it's rare in women's MMA that you get someone that goes in there to literally murder people. And, uh, and she is one of them. <laughs> and, uh, and Cynthia Calvillo, who uh, obviously nine, two and one has looked really good in her, in her UFC stint so far. And uh, again, one that I'm kind of struggling to predict. Yeah. It's, I mean, Jessica Andrade is in a weird stage in her career, isn't she? I mean, I don't know if you've seen like the whole like only fan stuff and how like, sort of uh, funny it. Yeah, I saw. I saw. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really know what I feel about like that whole thing. Like, obviously, I don't want to judge anyone and people are free to do their own thing, but it just kind of feels a bit like some people are getting exploited by the website. Uh, yeah, it's a weird fight as well because I feel like the loser. I mean, what is Kavito on a? She's on a bit of a skid. I'm, a, I'm not wrong. Uh, I, I think, think she's she lost to. Lost to... Ch- Chikagian, maybe? Yeah, she lost to Chikagian. Yeah. yeah. Did she lose before that? I can't remember. No, I think that was her first first loss in a while. I think she was on like a little impressive run. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. She drew with Marina Rodriguez. That was the one before. She beat Just Cry. Yeah, I feel like the win- the winner of this fight is not necessarily in like a perilous position, but in terms of title ambitions and title aspirations, they're pretty much nil if you lose this fight. So for me, it's make or break. I, I mean, seen... Calvillo's um, resume, actually, sorry, I'm looking at it now, is actually pretty impressive. Um, you know, lost to Chikagian, lost to Esparza. Those are her only losses. Those are both, you know, very good fighters. And she drew in Marina Rodriguez. Beat Jessica I, beat Courtney Casey, beat Pollyanna Batalio, beat Joanne Calderwood, um, beat Pearl Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Yeah. yeah. Um, Montala de la Rosa, way down there in LFA in 2017. Jillian Robinson, Robinson as well. Damn, fight. what the wow. fuck? Cynthia Galvia is one of the sneakiest best resumes out of nowhere what? and she beat in, a, in the Amis she beat Aspen Ladd in her fifth Ami fight Crazy. sixth Ami fight sorry That's, yeah that was mad um, yeah so I think Andrade is a, is a huge favourite on this fight with the bookies but um, yeah I really struggle to predict it so um, I think I'll probably well, we lean really... Andrade for experience but um, they're both kind of really well rounded and really good I... Calvillo's probably going to want a wrestler I'd imagine Um kind of hard to do that to Andrade unless you're Valentina Shevchenko we haven't seen Calvillo in trouble really have we I mean I know Shikagian outclassed her but well Shikagian just Shikagian her didn't she just pieced her out from the outside and never really um, you know let her engage whereas Andrade does have that insane punch power Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah that's what makes it interesting because Calvillo does have really good hands but then Andrade also has that like fear factor I think it's yeah I think it's a pick to be honest yeah. Um, next up, Curtis Blades and Jarzinia Rosenstrike. I was Oof. very verbal about when this bout was made. I said I didn't like it at all. Why would you put Jarzinho, a kickboxer who hasn't shown anything on the mat against a guy who's just going to try and take him down and sit on top of him? Um, I know you disagree, but I think this is going to be 15 minutes of Blades just, you know, body, body, head on, on the mat. And uh, I, I hate that. <laughs> I personally am of the impression that um, Rosenstroy is going to chin him at some point. I, I would love you to be right. Not because I dislike Blades, but just because Jairzinho is awesome. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I, yeah, I am of the opinion that Rosenstroy is just going to wing him. I mean, we, he's got the death touch. I mean, he literally jabbed someone in the face and they got knocked out. He clipped over him. I know you're going to dispute it. He beat Alistair over him. <laughs> like, Never and happened. that was basically, that was a one shot, like gunslinging hope. And I feel like, I don't, I, it's with me because Blades is a good wrestler. Yes, but he makes terrible decisions and shoots so lazily 
And I don't think you can do, do that against someone who has a death touch. Because in my eyes, again, it sounds crazy because they're at different places in their career and Lewis is obviously more accomplished. But I actually think Biggie Boy is a better version of Derek Lewis. I actually think Rosa Strike potentially hits harder. Which I definitely think he crazy. hits harder. I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, was it Sakai? He slept like with a short check hook that he barely even put any power into. Like if he just touches people, they go down. But um, I just can't shake the feeling that he's going to be, you know, shoulder blades flat on the ground and and showing that. And that I just feel like it only take one takedown per round to win Blades this fight. Like one takedown per round and they're on the mat until the end of the round. That's how I see it. Yeah, because I, I I can see that purely because I, I can't see him making up the wrestling time and the experience that he needs to be able to compete on the yeah, ground coming with over Blades. Kickboxing. Even training at ATT with like, Andre Olovsky and the likes like that. I completely agree with you on that front. I do think Blades is a little bit susceptible to being slept. And against someone like I, I don't know, I just, maybe it's just the 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 bloodthirst in me, but I just want to see a, <laughs> I want to see another viral knockout. And if it's at Blades' expense, I I apologize. <laughs> well, maybe you'll be right because you've been saying this since the bout was uh, bout was made. So maybe it's just one of them weird gut feelings where uh, where you'll be proven right. Um, Weirdest uh, situation of the week, as always, is surrounding Nick Diaz. We don't even know if this fight's going to happen. He's saying he wants it now at middleweight instead of welterweight. Um, it wouldn't be a Nick Diaz fight week if we didn't know what the fuck was going on. And this is another fight that I'm really struggling to predict because how can you predict a guy who we've not seen for however many years? I think Dana said that on the in the press conference today, if I'm not mistaken. I think he said something like, oh, it's Nick Diaz, Nick Diaz fight week. Something crazy always happens. I'm intrigued to see. I mean, he's fought at middleweight before. Everyone kind of forgets that. Yeah. He fought as silver at middleweight. Like, it's not, it's nothing unheard of or strange. It's just kind of weird to see Robbie Lawler at middleweight. I said to you, I don't know what to expect from this fight. I am still of that mindset. If it's Nick Diaz, who is kind of switched on, is willing to mix it up in terms of his striking, maybe the Nick Diaz of, like, I don't know, the BJ Penn fight, then I think Diaz wins it. But... Six years. I was speaking to this um, with actually with with Jack's coach Ben Vickers. I was saying like six years is a long time, isn't it? In terms of a span away from that's, the that's Jack like, Shaw you're talking about, yeah. Uh, no, 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 Jack Della Madalena. Oh, um, Madalena. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was just speaking to him like, oh, like say a fighter goes for a long layoff, like how do they get back in the swing of it? And he described it as like a pressure cooker. If you take a pressure cooker off the oven, like there's a period where it's still hot, and then it trails off, and it's hard to get back to the boiling point if you're not prime boil. And he's like, well, okay, if Diaz has been away for a long time, yes, he's been keeping in shape doing triathlons and, and grappling and training his brother, but that's not in-cage experience. Yeah. Um, whilst Lawler's been losing, he's still been fighting in the cage against like top-level guys. Like He's only lost to the best, right? He's only lost to like, RDA, Colby Covington. Um, who else did he lose to recently? He's Neil also Magny. Magny. He's like one in six in his last seven or Neil something. Neil Magny. Um, yeah. Like he hasn't, yeah, he's been losing, but he's been in it. Yeah, I don't think he's been finished, um, or at least not from not from my memory. So, yeah, I, I just can't pick it because I just don't know what Diaz to expect. I mean, I've I sent you that video, didn't I? And he just of of Diaz training on Instagram, and I, I hesitate to say that he looks old, but those those punches did look very very labored, and I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if that was the whole point of the the video, but. Yeah, I am a little bit, a little bit worried. Maybe some uh, Evander Holyfield vibes. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to make of it. Um, 
I love both guys. I'm a big fan of Robbie Lawler. His fight, his second fight with uh, with Rory is is my favorite fight of all time. So um, I I struggle to pick either way. I'd probably lean Robbie just because, like you say, of the ring rust element. But again, if you if we see and even remotely Nick Diaz, full Nick Diaz, um, then probably put Robbie in trouble as well because he's lost, like I said, I think six of his last seven, um, seven of his last eight, if you include the Condit fight, which was a clear robbery. <laughs> um, so yeah, really weird one. And um, nothing at all like the co-main, which is the easiest to predict fight of all time. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Why did I, I just, I only want to see one fight. I literally only want to see one fight for advantage of and that's the Amanda Nunes trilogy. Like, I've said it a million times. They just need to set up a best of seven series like the NBA playoffs. Amanda Nunes versus Valentina Shevchenko. Have one in like January, one in, I don't know, July, one in December and see where they're at at the end of next year. Like, yeah, as you say, like the the, the baseball stuff, like World Series finals. <laughs> That's basically what it would be. Yeah, it's just like the two elite of the elite in women's MMA. No one else is even close and see where they go. One in Kyrgyzstan, one in Brazil. Yeah, that makes, one in Peru. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think that I think you're onto something there. Yeah, it's just, and this is no disrespect to to Lauren Murphy because I do think she is a talented fighter in her own right, and I think she's accomplished no, and a lot she's in her career. earned her way up to the to the title shot. So you know, I'm happy that she's gonna make some money, but um, I just can't see anything else except her getting destroyed. It, I think it's more of a question of when, not if. <laughs> it's probably the best way of describing <laughs> it because I feel like Valentina can finish the fight wherever she wants, like yeah, wherever, and stand up whenever. on the ground. And we we saw we, not that we necessarily haven't seen her, her ground game, but a fight against Andrade, she literally just like took her down at will. It and Andrade is quite strong, and I don't think Murphy's necessarily got the strength to, to keep her off. And yeah, it's and I feel bad because Murphy's such a nice person, like she's really lovely to interview, really loves to chat to. But Valentina is just so good. I would actually argue Valentina is the most technically accomplished female fighter. I think she's. Better, I think she has better striking than Nunes. I think she's better ground game than Nunes. She makes it look pretty, like she yeah. makes it look like an art form. And I feel like we could see a masterpiece against Murphy again. Another masterpiece. Just get, just get him in the cage again already, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll move on to the to the main event, which is what I know you've been desperate to talk about, mate. Um, because uh, I'll just let I'll just let you talk about how great um, the great is. I think I actually wrote a piece about this this week. I think Alexander Volkanovski is possibly the most underrated and most underappreciated fighter and champion on the UFC roster. And, and I, we've spoken I, about why that is. Oh yeah, of course, because everyone is convinced that Max Holloway won the second fight. Because of, of people like think... me, the Max Holloway fanboys. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless of whether you think that or not, you can't argue that the first fight was just like almost not, not one-sided, but but a, flaw- a flawless mm. performance. I think it's fair to yeah, say. Exactly, and I think that gets often overlooked because of the somewhat controversial outcome of the second fight, which is, again, a pick for me. I feel like you could score it either way. I think Volkanovski, not that this is coming out party, but I think I think he kind of has an edge or something on Ortega. And we kind of saw that in the um, in Tough, and I hate to reference that because everyone's like saying, oh, it was a terrible season. I actually really enjoyed it. I loved the return of Tough. We were saying that the other day, like... We enjoyed the show. We thought it was interesting to see the two elements. And as the season progressed, you kind of saw Volkanovski take over. Like, I didn't ever feel there was a point where he kind of felt... I I, I kind of felt like he was playing with Ortega in a way. 
Like he was like there was that digging where he was like making a comment about the fact that Ortega was late, like which clearly irritated Ortega. And I'm not saying that will have any bearing on the fight, but I do feel Volkanovski is underrated in terms of sticking to a game plan. I think if Volkanovski is given a game plan, he sticks to it and adheres to it, unless he gets like winged and then gets caught up in a bit of a brawl, as we saw in the second fight with with Max. I don't think Ortega's striking is enough to do that. And I think the only Danger to Volkanovski is obviously if he goes on the ground. Like we haven't really seen. I mean, but to be fair, Volk is actually quite clever on the ground because he uses his his weight to kind of control. Like he'll push. It, what he likes to do is he push you to the edge of the cage, and he'll kind of use his 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 strength to keep you there. And I'm not I'm not saying he could do that against Ortega, who could literally snatch a limb and take an arm or grab Sink your neck in and a do guillotine or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I do feel like his ground game is kind of underrated. I don't even think it gets there. I think Volk can keep the standing. I think he can dictate the pace. I think he will dictate the pace because I just don't think Ortega is striking. Whilst it's good, I just don't think it's enough to necessarily trouble him because I don't think Ortega is on the same level in terms of striking as as, Volk, as Holloway. But No, I agree. I think you. we need to remember as well that that uh, TKZ fight that Ortega looked really good in, um, Zombie got concussed in like the first round. So... You know, while that was thanks to Ortega and, and he completely fully deserved his very impressive win, um, I think people looking at that and saying, oh my God, he just completely outstruck and, you know, absolute masterclass on the feet against a guy in, you know, Korean zombie who's really good on the feet. I think it's you know, maybe reading a little bit too much into that um, because he was really badly concussed. And uh, yeah, I just think no, there's the only route for me for Ortega to win this is a Hail Mary submission. Like you say, if yep. Volk pins him up against the fence and he sinks in a guillotine, or if Volk takes him down and he gets he grabs an arm and um, you know arm bars him from the bottom or something, I don't really see any route for him to win this on the feet. You know, if he does, I'll hold my hands up. But um, you know, and like you were saying on the ground as well, short, stocky guys like Volk are harder to, to submit just naturally because <laughs> there's less of them to grab. If you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, I re- I really and one thing you touched on there, game plan. I think Volk is probably one of the smartest, like fight IQ wise fighters we've ever seen, especially on the current roster. Anyway, um, you know you'd be, you'd be hard pushed to find another fighter who will make a you know perfect game plan with his coaches and stick to it as perfectly as Volkanovski does every time he goes in there. Um, you have to have a perfect game plan if you're going to outstrike Max Holloway. Um, so yeah, I, I'd have to uh, you know go with Volkanovski as well, and I'm going to have I have a bet on Volkanovski as well. I don't think he gets. I don't think he gets it done inside the distance. Just for the record, I think it will be points, purely because I think Ortega, although he got stopped by Max, that was just like a volume of shots and the striking wasn't quite there. That was just Max being absolute yeah. prime Max as well, wasn't it? But what will trigger me is when they start mentioning Holloway throughout the commentary because it's like, no, let, <laughs> yeah, let I know that's going to send you DC's on commentary, so every like thirty seconds he's going to bring up Holloway. But it, it's just kind of I don't know it. I think it kind of overshadows what Volk's accomplished in like in his career. Like the guy literally fought a welterweight. Like how mad is that? Like the, the, the his background and his his journey to the UFC is crazy. Like and also shows that rugby guys just aren't to be messed with. <laughs> like he is a savage. But also I think I think you, you made a good point about the game plan. I think also what he does well is when the game plan isn't working, as you say, he's got a really high fight IQ. He can change things up. Like you saw that in the second Max fight. He realized that Max had, had figured him out a little bit. So he decided to mix it up a little bit and, and put the pressure on even more and cut the angles off. I think if I think his adaptability could prove to be his biggest strength in this fight with Ortega, 
because I think Ortega, as you say, his route to victory is snatching an arm or or snatching a guillotine. And I just don't think Volk's going to give him the opportunity to do so. And let's not forget, Eugene Bearman's going to be in his corner. And that's like, I mean, the guy's probably like the smartest mind in the whole of fight sports. Like, he is the master, master splinter is probably the best way of describing it. Like, he just, he gives you a game plan, you stick to it and you'll probably win the fight unless you're fighting Jan Blachowicz. But that's kind of, yeah. I, I, I think, I also think Volk kind of needs it because I, I, I do feel he is disrespected not only by, not, not necessarily by fans because I feel like quite a few fans kind of are now on board with not only Tough but also his interviews. Like I, I saw on Submission Radio, everyone seems really high on him. Yeah. Also in terms of like the UFC content, everyone seems to like enjoy that. I wouldn't say cocky but self-confident Australian who is actually a lot deeper and more intrinsic than people realize. I think he's got quite a an interesting personality. And he's, I think the UFC kind of, I think with the whole of like the rise of Aussie MMA and New Zealand MMA, having Volk as a champion corners that Australian market more than Izzy does because obviously Volk is Australian. And he is, well, I think he was at the Mark Hunt boxing fight. I think he was at the, the Taffer fight. Like, He's, he's he's a very likable individual. And, I, and that's not to say that Ortega isn't, because I'm sure Ortega has his plaudits. And I really, actually, do you know what? I really enjoyed that video where Ortega gets his car done. I don't know if you've seen it on like, the UFC channel. Where, like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not watching not. videos of Ortega getting his car done, no, mate. No, like, <laughs> it sounds crazy, but like, I don't know what it's called. Like the whole, is it Chicago culture where they get like their, their car souped up, like lowriders, is that what it's called? Like the... American. I don't know what a lowrider is, but I don't know what what culture you would directly associate that with. I think it's a. I think it's Chicago culture, like you know, with the big boots and like wheels, and that sounds like an ordinary car. You know what I mean? Pimped out. <laughs> I guess it's car pimped out. Um, We're really uh, exposing really... ourselves as just yeah. culturally ignorant here. <laughs> <laughs> What's a wheel? Um, yeah, he gets he gets his car souped up. And it looks really cool. And I did enjoy that. And I also enjoyed Volk's video where he's talking about like playing rugby and the band of brothers kind of thing. I think also Dan Hooker fighting on the same card. I think that'll kind of feed into him. Like he'll he'll tap into that and fighting on the same card as your teammates. Like, I mean, City Kickboxing have a pretty decent track record of that. Yeah, um, always gives you that extra buzz. And also Frank Hickman's in his corner, who's a really good wrestling coach. I think he's a wrestling coach at Tiger Muay Thai. So I wouldn't be too worried about like Volk's ability on the ground. I just kind of feel like he needs that. I thought the, the the Aldo fight was the breakout fight. I thought the Mendez fight was the breakout fight and Holloway won. Holloway 2 is kind of not necessarily discredited him, but it's kind of, it's left that question mark, right? Yeah. And I feel like this will take a fight. And, and kind of unfairly so, yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. Right, so that's that's my last bet. You've explained it better than I ever could, mate. Um, <laughs> went a little bit off. off Sorry the rails for rambling, there, but no, you're good. I knew you'd want to talk about Volk. That's why I left this little section on the notes just for you. Oh, um, before we yeah. wrap up, I have something to reveal. So I've just seen a clip of Dylan Dynas getting tapped out by a security guard. Oh, I was going to mention this actually because I've seen everyone on Twitter trolling. For anyone who hasn't seen it, like like it's basically what you just said. Dylan Dallas is at some party. Sorry, He's allegedly. Drunk. And, Allegedly. Uh, yeah, he's drunk and some police officer like yeah chokes him out. Um, I have a bunch of people with this because do people really think if Dylan Dennis wanted to, he couldn't, you know, turn that around and completely shit on that guy? Like, come on, what's he gonna do? Fight a cop and get in more trouble, probably get tased, probably get shot, probably get charged with God knows what, you know, 
you're fighting a police officer or whatever. I, the, the criticism I've seen of that seems really stupid because I don't believe for one second that if he wanted to, he couldn't have turned that around and, you know, been the one choking the cop out instead. But to me, that probably is more likely to be some, you know, egotistical jock of a cop who just wants to prove himself and sees a drunk idiot, Dylan Dennis, and, and sees the opportunity to do so. Yeah, you probably think, weren't expecting me to, to spend the last five minutes of this episode defending Dylan Dennis, but there you go. Look, I, I think you're bang on, to be honest. I think he's kind of, I think he was too inebriated. I feel like. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think he's injured unless, and he's super drunk, and some cop is just being a douche for the sake of being a douche, like most cops are. And um, like, come on, did, did, you really think Dylan Dennis couldn't submit that guy if he wanted to? He's not going to get him. himself in more trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, the whole thing is kind of funny, though. It's oh, it's funny. funny. Don't get me wrong, right. it's funny. <laughs> the, the, the trolling he's going to get from it is going to be brilliant. He's not going to be able to tweet for months without that coming up. I'm just waiting for the, the inevitable Jake Paul video or like, I'm, I do you know, we went a whole episode without mentioning him. What have oh, I done? You did it right at the end, mate. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, wrap it up there before, before we start defending Jake Paul. I've just defended Dylan Dennis. That would be a turn up for the books. Um, and yeah, we'll be back. Hopefully I'll remember what's happened in, in, in UFC 266 because I'm going to be a mess on Saturday night. But um, there you go. We'll wrap it up and uh, we'll be back next week. Bye for now.